0: Thank you everyone, I want to welcome you today. Before we get into the, the meat of the forum, I, I want to clarify something. Um, and the only reason I'm going to clarify it is because in an email that I saw a copy of suggesting that I do a forum, the person had said, and I, I don't, it was not a bad thing, but they said that I work for John Maxwell. That's not true, I don't work for John Maxwell. Um, I am certified by John's organization to teach and coach and speak on leadership. But I don't work for John. Um, I am going to use a lot of his material today from one of his books, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And so if you haven't heard who he is, John, uh, Inc. magazine did a survey, as well as the American Management Association, and both organizations rated him the number one guru on leadership in the world. Interesting thing is that if you ask John, you say, John, where did you learn all of your leadership tips and skills and lessons? He said, from the greatest book ever written on leadership, the Bible. Every, so that's why I recommend his book. I recommend all of his books, but everything that he talks about in terms of leadership, he has taken from the Word of God. He said one time that he was, he was in Canada somewhere, and he was asked a question you know, I need a book to read on leadership. What do I do? And he said, read the Bible. And then they wanted to be a little bit more specific. And he said, okay, here's what I'd like you to do. He said, I'd like you to go home and at the first day of the next month, begin reading the book of Proverbs, read one chapter every day, and every day you will get a leadership principle. So it just becomes natural then that if we're going to learn leadership and learn lessons of leadership, we need to do it from the word of God. All of us, leaders all of us and i was it was somewhat tongue-in-cheek with gibbs three questions but we live in a fallen world we live in a pagan nation both of us canadians and americans we desperately need leaders and what's at stake eternity for many many souls so we all have to be leaders so it's time to get intentional those of you that 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 know me and have been around me a lot That's my word for the year, intentional. So if we're going to be intentional, what do you hope to get out of this forum? If you have a pen and paper, I want you to write it. I want you to think for a minute and write down what you hope to get out of this forum. I'm going to give you a minute to do it. What are you hoping to get? Yes. Thank you. We will do that. Thank you. Forgot to pray. Write it down first. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Probably if you Google his name, it would be the the top book they might. Now, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to walk close to Brother Ted, and hopefully he won't be, I'm not going to invade his comfort zone, but would you open with a prayer, please? And I'm walking close because I have a microphone. Yeah, let's rise to pray.
1: Almighty God, great, glorious Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be here, Thankful to rejoice in you. But thankful because thy word, the word of truth, is truly our guide, our state, our direction, our hope, and our all. And what else can be the leader, the greatest of whom is our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray, O Lord, that today would help us to learn what it means to lead and what what a privilege it is to be part of thy people and be leaders, each and every one of us. In Christ's name,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ted. So the screen that I have up there simply says leadership is, and there's a very simple answer to that. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. If we think about that, and that is a fact, if we think about the fact that leadership is influence, who is, who is leading? Everybody's leading whoever is an influential person, and think about how many bad leaders there are. Think about how many negative influences there are on society, on our families, on our churches, in our communities. We need to lead. We need to stand up and be counted. And as today we're going to look at just individuals in the Bible, and some will shock you as to the leaders that I picked, but we can learn lessons from all of them. Uh, Brother Ted, actually, I'm I'm skipping to the next one. This I found interesting. This, uh, the leader's prayer. God, when I'm wrong, make me willing to change. When I'm right, make me easy to live with. Think about that. That's only the first part of the prayer. So strengthen me that the power of my influence will far exceed the authority of my position. Leaders, good leaders, never use their power in bad ways. And they always seek to influence more than their position would give. We can think of all kinds of leaders that take their position and their authority and, and shove it down people's throats. That, that's not leadership. That's dictatorship. That's a totalitarian leader. Brother Ted answered this question. Who is the greatest leader that ever lived? Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. You've been a great... Forearm, like we, really, you know, we really could end there. He is and was the greatest leader that ever lived. And what is what, where does the name Christian come from? What does it mean? To be Christ-like. Thank you. And it, I think it's the Apostle John that said, And as he is in the world, so are ye. As he is, not as he was, as he is in the world So are he. We're leaders. And he modeled so many wonderful, his entire life, from birth. I was going to say the three years of his ministry, but I changed it. From birth, models so many leadership principles. And we're going to talk about many of them today. So in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, the first law of leadership is the law of the lid. And what the law of the lid says is that leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness. So what that means is that on a scale of 1 to 10, if my leadership level is a number 4, and I'm trying to lead a group of people, I can never raise that group or those people above where I am. Because what you do not have, you cannot give. So the first law of leadership, the law of the lid, says raise your lid so that you're able... To lead more effectively. To lead better. That's why I'm glad you're here. You are here today because of the first irrefutable law of leadership that you recognized, even if you hadn't read the book, and that is that you want to get better at leading. So we have to do that. We've got to work on getting better. All of us. Lifelong. Lifelong. You have to be getting better. You have to become intentional about being a leader. The last of the, of the irrefutable laws, the 21st irrefutable law, is the law of legacy. And what that law says is that a leader's lasting value is measured by succession. Will those who come behind us find us faithful? So what John Maxwell does in his book is he starts out and says, you've got to get better every single day of your life. Every day when you wake up, you need to be intentional on growing. Sounds like a scripture? But grow in the knowledge our lord jesus christ grow in how he lived allow the spirit to take greater control of your life each day and work on those things and and when i when i was in when i was in uh, kitchener and i did the intentional christian living there were daily activities that we need to do if we really want to grow we have to be intentional about it and then the question is what do we leave when we're done when we're gone what are people going to say did we have an impact on this earth when the lord calls us home did we live a life of significance and somebody one time said that once you have tasted significance success will never do what do you think is the difference between significance and success what is success in the world Achieving goals, it's a journey. What would, if you asked your neighbor what does it mean to be successful, what would they say? Rich. Nice house. A Porsche. Nice car. Status. Notoriety. Popularity. A sound, solid retirement plan, so that when I'm done, I can go sit on the beach in Boca Raton and enjoy the fruits of my labors. Exactly. What is significance? Exactly. Significance is about what we do for others. I didn't pay her for those answers, honest. She she did, you know, what what leadership really is is pouring value into other people. Pouring value into other people. And since you cannot give what you do not have, you have to grow every day and remember this. God will only give to you what he knows will flow through you. God expects us to be rivers, not reservoirs. So, with that as a backdrop, and I will move quickly, I promise. And really, my goal for today is not to give you a bunch of answers. My goal today is to get you excited about learning, about looking into Scripture, and and asking the Lord to reveal to you the specifics of your calling. Because each one of us has at least one. We're going to talk about Nehemiah. Who was Nehemiah, real quick? Who was he? What was his position? He was a cupbearer for Artaxerxes. And what was his calling? Go build the walls. So, all of a sudden in Nehemiah 1, we read that, that his brother comes and he says, how's the city? And, he, and the, the situation is so dire. The first thing Nehemiah does is a great leader. Now remember, he wasn't raised as a leader. He's a cupbearer. His job is to make sure nobody poisons Artaxerxes. That's his job. He was trustworthy. The king really trusted him, but he has this burden that the Lord places on his heart, which is a calling. And what he does in Nehemiah 1.4 is he gives it back to God. When God gives you a calling, don't say, OK, I'll see you later. Say, God, what do you want me to do with it? He recognizes the fact that he has the call, but he needs to give it to God. Wait, he waits for God in Nehemiah 2.2. 2, he was practicing the 19th irrefutable law of leadership, which is the law of timing. Remember what happens for Nehemiah. He has the burden placed in his heart, and we'll get to go. Go's going to be, a, you know, because my brother's here that told us we need to go, and we're going to get there, but we need to go when God says go. God wasn't saying go. He was saying There's a problem. So what did Nehemiah do in the four months from when he heard the problem, received the calling, and left? He prayed and fasted day and night. Does anybody remember how he recognized when it was time to go? How does does he approach the topic with King Artaxerxes? The king brought Is that not amazing? The king brought it up. He has the calling, he has the burden, he recognizes what it is, and he is practicing the law of timing, which is for every great leader there is a time for that task, for that calling. Wait, and he gives the calling to God, and then God says to Artaxerxes, Nehemiah, why are you cast down today? Why is your countenance so sad? It also happened to be the day that the queen was sitting next to him. I don't know what that means, But maybe she said, you've got to let Nehemiah go. Who knows? I don't know. But the law of timing. If we we run before God, it's a mistake. God's going to make the way for you to exercise the calling he's given you. Pray until it's the right time. Some more lessons from Nehemiah. Don't be afraid to ask others for help. I was kind of surprised how bold Nehemiah was. He sensed that the timing was right. And so he says to Artaxerxes, Well, you know, um, I really appreciate the fact that you're letting me go. However, I need this and this and this. He asks for help. Don't be afraid. If God's given you a calling, ask for help. Ask others to help you. Never try to explain God until you first obeyed him. Can you imagine if he would not have been the example he was in front of Artaxerxes and he would have tried to explain why he needs to go back and rebuild the walls of God's holy city? Never, ever try to explain your calling or God himself unless you first obeyed him. That's a lesson we learned from Nehemiah. Whenever God's people move forward, the enemy increases their opposition. Read it in Nehemiah, Sanballat and Tobiah, continually being there to thwart it. So what do we do? We don't give up. We know it's time to ask for help. Don't give in. Don't ever give up. Everything worth doing is going to have opposition. Nehemiah never quits. Take some time and read. We're doing that at home in Syracuse. We're studying Nehemiah. Just study. It's an amazing book. I encourage you to study that book and see how many times he's distracted. I love the one where he says, talk, it's, it's really where, how a leader has to focus, where they're trying to, Sanballat and Tobiah, want them to come down off the wall? And he says, I cannot come down. I have a great work to do. You can't give up when you're a leader. How about Sarah? This is Abraham's wife. And now you're saying, oh my goodness, Sarah? What can we learn from Sarah? Let your decisions be guided by faith. Leaders in the kingdom of God allow their decisions to be guided by faith. It's easy to believe in God's blessings. It's harder to believe in His timing. What happened to Sarah? She ran ahead. What did she do? She uses her influence over two people, her servant and her husband, to make God's plan work. How well did that work out? We're still fighting about it. You know, we're 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 still witnessing the disagreement. You know, it wouldn't, that's bad enough, but she got worse. Never use your influence to manipulate. I talked about that. The sixth irrefutable law is the law of solid ground. Trust trust is the foundation of leadership, and that's all about character. So after she gets her husband and her maid to work on this deal to put God's plan in place, she holds it against them. Don't blame others for the consequences of your bad decisions. Guess what? As leaders, we're going to screw up. It's going to happen. We're going to make a mistake. But what Sarah did was not only did she run ahead of God, but then when it didn't work out, she blames Hagar and Ishmael and sends them away and probably was upset with Abraham. So you see this wonderful book on leadership has all kinds of lessons, good ones and bad ones. I didn't put Jonah in here, but I could have. I thought about it. The law of solid ground. The reality is you want to follow people who are bigger on the inside than on the outside. People want to follow people who are bigger on the inside than on the outside. You cannot give what you do not have. So unless you are intentional on growing, unless you are intentional on being a person of character and guarding your character, you won't be as good of a leader. Joseph I know I'm moving quickly. Joseph, we got another lesson we're going to learn here. The law of process. The law of process says leadership develops daily, not in a day. Leadership develops daily, not in a day. You can't decide today, I'm going to be a phenomenal leader and go out tomorrow and try to lead like you are. There's two individuals today we're going to talk about that had a tremendous amount of time spent in developing who they are. You know, leadership is like, it's like investing. It compounds over the years. There are no successful day traders in leadership development. No successful day leaders in leadership development. So if we read and and think about the story of Joseph, take, goes from Genesis 37, the first verse, to Genesis 50, verse 22. So let's talk about what his process of leadership development was like. He's misunderstood by his family. Why is Joseph misunderstood by his family? He was a dreamer. One might say he didn't understand the law of timing too well. He was spoiled by his dad, said said the right things at the wrong time. So then, his brothers sell him into slavery. More than once, is my brother here? I don't think he's here. Yes, he is here. More than once, he used to say to me, you better hope a band of Ishmaelites don't come by. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> he's saying when. See, probably Lynn remembers when. But anyways, he's sold into slavery. He, he gets a great position in Potiphar's house. And what happens? What happens in Potiphar's house? He got in trouble with Potiphar's wife. She desires him. He says No how can I do this against my master? How can I do this against my God? Flees away, he gets accused, he gets thrown in prison. Gee, that's a nice path to leadership development. And then he's in prison and he gets a good spot in prison because he's trustworthy, because he's demonstrating leadership abilities and gets forgotten for two years. You know, about then I'd be saying, I don't really think I'm too cool on this leadership stuff. But guess what? That's what it's all about. If you want to grow, it's a process. And there's ups and there's downs. There's good days, there's bad days. What was happening to Joseph in all of those experiences? Getting closer to God? He was being molded. Brother Bob, did you have? Tried in the fire. fire. What was Joseph's purpose? What did God... Create Joseph to do. Save Israel. And what was he going to need, need to do to do that? He had to gain trust, be influential. What was the scope of his responsibility to save Israel? He had to be in charge of everything. He was being prepared to run the greatest empire of the then known world. If you find yourself in times you don't understand... God has really big plans. Take courage. Don't be beaten down. You know, if, if I, I wish Matt Tiss was here because Matt has an amazing physique. He builds his body up. The only way to do that is to, every day, tear part of it down and build it back up. and Tear it down and build it back up and mold it and shape it through difficulty, through opposition, through resistance. That's what Joseph was going through. That's what Joseph needed to go through to be able to perform the task that God had ahead of him. What did Joseph say to his family toward the end of his life concerning his bones? Don't leave me here. When you go home, take me with you. What is he telling his family? What was he showing them? Vision? Good. Prophesying the future? faith? He believed that his home was in Egypt. He believed that their home was in Egypt. He had faith in a plan that God was working out. There were times when he doubted it. We know there are. We can read about it in these chapters when he wonders why. But there were reasons because he was learning to lead through the law of the process. Leadership is developed every day, not in a day. More lessons. Never give up. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. It's not going to be easy. The question each one of us has to ask is how sincere do we believe our calling is? And each one of us has one. And if you don't think you have a calling, you need to go back to your room and spend some time on your knees and say, Lord, reveal to me your call- my calling. But don't make more out of it than it is. You know your calling, you just haven't recognized it yet. Because God doesn't hide a calling for people. God doesn't hide gifts from us. Somebody one time said, how do you know what your gifts are? Well, number one, you're going to be good at it. You're going to enjoy it. And God's going to give you a place to use it. Do it. Go do it. Abigail. Who is Abigail other than my daughter-in-law? Who is Abigail. The wife of Nabal in the time of David. So Abigail is a great... We can learn perhaps one of the most powerful lessons. The law of connection from Abigail. The tenth irrefutable law. So if we read in 1 Samuel 25, those 42 verses, we, we understand a principle that leaders touch the heart before they ask for the hand. Leaders touch the heart before they ask for the hand, if people aren't well, somebody one time said, "Do you know what you call a you know a leader? Is it has no followers?" That's just somebody taking a walk. So if you just happen to be taking a walk and nobody's behind you, um, have you touched their heart? If you're a Sunday school teacher, have you touched the hearts of your students? If you're a parent, have you touched the heart of your children? If you're a teacher in school, have you touched the heart of your children in your class? If you're a foreman, if you're a boss, if you're a coworker, have you touched the heart of people? Because the law of connection, I believe, is one of the most powerful tools. Nabal versus Abigail. Nabal was rude. Um, he was insulting and he was contentious. And it almost cost him his head right at the first. At, at first. Na- uh, a- Abigail meets the needs of David's men. She realizes, you know what, my stupid husband's going to lose his head over this. There he goes again. He's rude. He's contentious. He's impulsive. He's obnoxious. I know that. If I don't intervene, David's going to kill him. And David would have killed him. She was kind, polite, saved her husband by calming David down. The impression Abigail left with David was never forgotten. Never. She ended up being one of his wives. That's the profound effect that her connection had on him. So let's see what this law of connection is really all about. Um, It takes effort. You can't connect with people without putting forth effort. You have to do it. You have to go first. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if people aren't listening, do they know that you care? You got to be willing to go the extra mile. It sounds biblical, doesn't it? Do we give people unsolicited appreciation? Do we really go out of our way to make people's day better? I, I tell this, this silly story. I like Chipotle. And I like it so much that oftentimes I'll go twice a week. I give myself a budget for lunch and I can, I can go to Chipotle twice a week. And one day I'm in there and, and I'm so excited to get my burrito bowl because, you know, there's no growth hormones in and it's not engineered in any way you know genetically it's it's supposed to be good for you and it, and i really got to worry about how much i'm eating so the 660 calories is pretty good for getting some good food so the man the young man checking me out you know i did have to get past the fact that he had gauges in his ears and i don't know what color his hair was that day because they did you ever notice the people in chipotle they're a little different but anyways the food's great and i said to him I, he says uh I said, thank you. And he goes, have a great day. I said, you know, I'm going to have a great day because I'm having a great lunch. His whole expression changed. He was so, he says, thank you so much. You just made my day. Great. You made mine too. Well, actually, you know, all those people in the line. I mean, my day got a whole lot better. You know, know, one of the bad things about an Easy Pass is we don't get to smile at the toll booth collectors. Imagine how sad their lives are you know, we have a chance to make an impact. Work on connecting with, you know, you're connecting all the time. Every interaction that we have with anyone is a potential to build a connection or tear one down. Remember that. Unguarded openness, you know, are, am, I, am I open with the people that I'm trying to lead? Do they understand that I have good days and bad days? It's okay. Leaders have bad days. Just ask Moses what a bad day cost him cost him the promised land. Had a bad day. Smacked the rock instead of talk to it. We all have bad days. It's okay. The question is what do we do with them and who do we blame for them? Increased communication. If we take the extra mile, things start to increase in terms of this connection and people express themselves more readily. If I'm supposed to touch the heart before I ask for the hand, I got to know what's in the heart, don't I? I have to know these people that I'm leading enjoyable experiences. When people interact with us, is it an enjoyable experience? When we walk into the room, are people glad to see us? Think about it. You know, we all know some people that when they walk into the room, it's like life was sucked out of the room. Like, (gasps) they're here, right? We all know them. Don't be one of those people. My dad used to have a supervisor that worked for him. That my dad said when he heard his boots on the floor, right, it became, it became a stressful moment. He started praying, and I, ended up, I worked there sometime after my dad left. I know exactly why he started praying. We have a chance to change that. We can be that person that people are glad to see. If we allow Christ to shine through us, people will be thrilled when we enter the room. Emotional bondedness. People display a connection on an emotional level because we're open with them. They know when we have problems. They know when things are going well. We share it with them. We, we might ask for prayer when we need it. And all of a sudden, an emotional bond is taking place. We did this extra energy, uh, extra effort, positive energy. People's emotionally ba- emotional batteries are charged by being with us. We're not those life suckers. We're energy people. They've got to be glad to see us. Um, there's a synergy that grows. People's effectiveness is greater than the sum of the contributions. All of a sudden, when we're coming together, things are really working. Why? Because we've connected. We've practiced what Abigail was very good at. And also, unconditional love. Do the people we're trying to lead realize that we love them regardless of what they do? Do they know we love them? Do our children know we love them. Do our parents know we love them? Do our coworkers know we love them? If we do, we will have positive influence in their lives. Abigail is just an amazing story in just a few verses. Joshua. We're going to do Joshua. We're going to do Moses as well. Joshua's got some really great things to tell us. The law of navigation. And I love this one. Maybe because I love boats. In Joshua 8, we, we, we really can see this law of navigation being played out. It's the fourth irrefutable law. Anybody can steer the ship, but it takes a leader to chart the course. Anybody can steer the ship, but it takes a leader to, start to chart the course. In our world today, there is such a vacuum of true leadership. There isn't any. It seems like the world is just adrift. If there's a vacuum of leadership what opportunity is that for us? We've got to step up. It's, it, the opportunity is there. We need to go. We need to realize that people don't know where to go. They don't know what to believe. They don't know what's right. They don't even know what's wrong because we've made what's wrong right. Somebody needs to chart the course. Somebody needs to take the plans that God has and help others navigate their way home. And Joshua practice this law of navigation in a beautiful way in chapter eight he gets direction from god guess what leaders we don't develop our own direction if we are true leaders we go to the source to get our direction so joshua and, and you know what do we know about joshua other than before we get to jordan what do we know about joshua where do we first hear about joshua He's one of the two spies. Very good. Let's go backwards. Yep. He was with Moses. He spent his night in the tabernacle when he was waiting for Moses. Let's go back farther. He spent time with Moses before they left Egypt. Joshua was a man of faith from the beginning. Joshua understood that there was a leader worth following. Joshua understood that God had a plan. So here's this man with tremendous leadership skills, perhaps better than Moses' leadership skills. At least Moses would have probably said that. As a young man, he already believes that, there's this, that, that Egypt is not where they're supposed to stay. His following skills, were, he was perfected in his following skills. Thank you. Thanks, Bob, for reminding me of that. You know what? To be a good leader, you've got to be a good follower. If you don't know how to follow, you can't lead. Something else we need to know about leaders, and this is all biblical, Leaders never cross the finish line first. And they never cross the finish line alone. They're always taking others with them. They're pouring value into people's lives. And so Joshua's leadership skills are being honed by the fact that he's a follower. All the way back in Egypt, he sees the plagues. He sees what's going on. He sees the Red Sea parted. He spends 40 years, the law process, 40 years in the wilderness watching Moses, listening to Moses, observing what Moses is doing, observing Moses' triumphs and his failings. So God says to him, now we're on the other side of Jordan, and he says to him, "Um, choose 30,000 men. So Joshua picks 30,000 men. Then he lays out the exact method of engagement. How many battles have the Israelites been in before chapter 8? Not too many. Okay? They, they've, they've gone through Jericho, but they're not really sure. But the navigator is. He gets the direction from God, and he spells out exactly what's going to happen. Not only does he lay out the exact method of engagement, but he explains what the enemy will do. Why is that so important? Awareness allows you to prepare. Very good. Thank you. When you see the events unfold, it builds confidence. Very good. What else? It shows he read the end of the book. It shows he's prepared. So when the enemy's coming and doing what he said would happen, that builds confidence in the people back in Joshua. And since they already know, they're not quite as concerned. They're prepared. Very good. Somebody read... Somebody with the Bible, read Joshua 8, verse 9. Very loudly, please, because we don't have a microphone for you. Phil, are you going to... Brother Phil, you're looking it up. I'm going to just come closer, so hopefully Brother Rick can pick it up while I'm here.
1: Joshua therefore sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush, in a boat between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night...
0: What does it mean he lodged that night among the people? He slept with them. He was one with them. The leader was visible. Imagine their their fear. Imagine their concern. They're going up against a very formidable enemy. And this is not going to be one where they march around the city six days and on the seventh day they shout and do all these things and the walls are going to fall down. No, this 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 is engagement. They're face-to-face with the enemy. And all of these 30,000 mighty men, my guesses are very, very worried. But the leader that practiced the law of navigation not only laid out the court... You know, what would happen... I'll tell you what would happen today. You know The United States probably has the most feared military on earth. We should be able to because we can outspend everybody, okay? We should be able to be the most feared military because we should have more and bigger armaments than anybody else. But how often do the commander sleep in the field? I remember once hearing, we heard about it after the fact, it either was Thanksgiving or Christmas, when one of our presidents secretly flew to either Iraq or Afghanistan to spend the day with the troops. That was a Joshua act. So in our own circles, in our own leadership groups, whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's church, if we're the leader are we willing to spend the night before the battle with the troops? They took so much courage in what he was able to do. A leader is one who sees more than others see, sees farther than others see, and who sees before others do. So if God is showing you things before he shows it to others, he's calling you to exercise this law of navigation if he's raising things into your your thought process, into your conscience, if the Spirit is speaking, there's a reason. He's calling you to act. He's calling you to go somewhere, to be busy in the kingdom because we don't have much time. Good navigators not only practice the logic, but they exercise faith. What happens here, he gets more instruction so what he does he executes the first part of the plan and everything goes great wow i actually caught that everything's going great they win that first part of the engagement he didn't have the whole story yet he didn't know the rest of the story as paul harvey would say for the people my age and older you younger people have no idea who i'm talking about But the rest of the story was coming. So what does he do? In verse 18, he goes back to God and he gets more information. Imagine the faith it takes to practice the law of navigation if you only get half the course. But he was a man of faith. So he steps out. He says, okay, God, we did this. What's next? He gets more engagement instructions. He executes them. What do we see? Planning and faith. If you're going to practice the law of navigation, you need to practice that. So then, it's all done. We think, "Great. We won the battle." Good leaders know you're not done when you win the battle. There's going to be more. What's going to ha- What was he thinking about, do you think, after he they they finished that battle with the people of Ai? The next battle. You know what? We haven't conquered this promised land yet. It's not all ours yet. There's going to be lots of battles. He builds an altar. He calls the people together, and he builds an altar, and he pract- and he offers a sacrifice, not to the thirty thousand mighty men, but to the architect of the plan, to the supreme leader, God himself. Then he writes a copy of the law in front of them. Why did he do that? We forget. We forget. He was practicing. The 13th law is the law of the picture. People do what people see. Very good. He was demonstrating the fact that he knew it. Thank you. I really never remembered that he wrote a copy of the law. Glossed right over that. I was focused on the fact growing up, that's a great battle. That's a great story. Yeah, Joshua, you go, man. But then he understood that he had to take this law of the picture. And and somebody said, I don't know if it's true. But since I'm an influence personality profile instead of a conscientiousness personality profile, I, I don't really care if it's true. If it fits my story, I'll use it. See, detail people would like all of you in the room that are high C's. You're getting really worried when I say I'm not really sure, but I'm going to say it anyways. 89% of what we know we learn visually. Is that true, Kelly? She's a teacher, so a the teacher's number. Is that true? Somebody said 89% of everything we know we learn visually. People were seeing it. it's the law of the picture. A leader's effective modeling of the vision makes a picture come alive. He was showing them. I'm not just going to tell you to go sacrifice. I'm going to show you. We're going to build an altar right here. And we're going to sacrifice. And I'm going to show you why because of the law. I'm going to show you who brought us here. Followers may doubt their leaders, but but they visually believe what they do. So they may doubt what we say, but they won't doubt what we do. You know, as Edward A. guessed, that I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather someone walk with me than merely point out the de- the way. He understood what a leader was. Moses, we got to get to Moses, right? Moses, a most unlikely candidate to lead. Why? Because he couldn't speak well, didn't have a lot of courage. Um, should have been dead. Moses teaches us the law, the 18th law of leadership, which is the law of sacrifice. A leader must give up to go up. Everybody wants to be the boss till they are. Everybody wants to be in charge until they are. There were so many times in, in my career when I just wished that I didn't have to be the person that was in charge. And now at 54, I'm kind of wondering, is it time to, to shift? So, I'm asking the Lord to make some things clear to me. We have here Moses, the prince of Egypt, raised in Pharaoh's household, first 40 years of his life. He had arrived. You know, he didn't have to do anything, everything was there for him. He had the finest things that, that the world could offer, he could have had the easiest life that would have been available to anyone in the world. Something inside him is stirring and he can't change the fact and he can he can't deny the fact he can't suppress the fact that he's hebrew so he sees some injustice and he decides i know what i'll do i will avenge avenge the way my brothers being treated and so he murders an egyptian and now he needs to leave and he's he leaves egypt and he's wandering in the wilderness for 40 years leaves egypt 40 years tending flocks and living in obscurity he's a shepherd Spends most of his time with sheep and goats, wondering what his purpose is. Wondering what, probably enjoying it. Because when he finally found out what his purpose was, he wasn't very excited about it at first. And all of a sudden, something changes in chapter 3 of Exodus when he sees a burning bush. And he's looking up on the mountain, and he sees something, so he climbs up to see what's going on. And what, what, what happens at the burning bush? God speaks from the bush. And what does God say? Take your shoes off. This is holy. Yeah, Moses. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. What we find in Moses that makes him the most successful leader, I believe, other than Christ himself, is that Moses goes from being afraid of God to wanting to see God. What does that tell us about the man's character? What was his calling all about? He wasn't satisfied with the status quo? Good, Brother Andy. His conscience changed. Felt guilty leaving Egypt, but very good. And this idea of, want, of being afraid of him to wanting to see him. He, he really wanted to know God. It was always God's, God's task. He was leading God's people. Thank you, Brother Greg. If we're going to be good leaders... It can't ever be about us. It has to be about somebody else. It's about others. That's why the Bible is the best book to learn leadership. And, And Moses, and to know God, first and foremost, if we desire more than anything else in all the world to know God, our life will be amazingly abundant. Because what did God do for Moses? He let him see his back. God says to Moses, Moses, first of all, he's afraid. And after he spent a little bit of time with God, he says, God, I want to see you. I don't want to just hear you. I don't want to just hear a voice coming out of a bush, something that I understand. I want to see you. And God says, Moses, nobody can see me and live. But, and this tells us this beautiful tenderness of God. God says, you know what, Moses? I'm going to put you here in a crevice in a rock. And I'm going to cover your face with my hand. I'm going to let you see my back. It gives me goosebumps. That's the God we as leaders serve. That's the God we as leaders serve. And, and think about this. Average, mediocre leaders earn followers. Good leaders develop leaders. The best leaders are the ones that develop leaders. 21st irrefutable law of leadership is the law of legacy who are we developing to come after us god's purpose through all of these people was to develop leaders jesus purpose on this earth was to develop leaders to spread the gospel of good news and so now we hear we see moses he gets to this point he's he's had this experience at the burning bush he's called the leadership and guess what happens oh more and more and more this is what follows the call more sacrifice you think about it. It wasn't an easy road. If you have a Thompson study Bible, go in the back to page 255. There are 81 notable events that had to take place in Moses' life. It was one sacrifice after another. It didn't get easy. It, got, it didn't get any easier from him once he had the call. Once Moses heard the call, everything became real. And it was sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. What does the Bible say the relationship with God and Moses was? Moses was a friend of God. A friend of God. If you want to go up in leadership, you've got to be willing to give up. You know, we've got brothers sitting here from Papua New Guinea that are here because Brother Vic and Sister Elsie gave up to go, they gave up life. In the United States, in a time when this country was growing rapidly, when prosperity was abounding, when there were were tremendous opportunities, and I think that Brother Vic was a nuclear engineer. A nuclear engineer. In 1961, when nuclear power plants were coming online, when he probably could have written his ticket financially. And now, is it wrong for me to praise man? No. Because I'm honoring what God does through people. And because of that sacrifice, these brothers are here. Because of that sacrifice, tens of thousands in New Guinea have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because somebody was willing to go. And do and and go through the sacrifice. And the amazing thing that and I shared this with Brother Vic that I find so amazing about it is that the, the mission was done, it was successful. The brothers from New Guinea are operating the mission. It's not a mission anymore. It's a church. And the servant that went kept going. Developed leaders. That's what it's all about. It's going to be sacrifice. What did Moses get for all of his sacrifices? What did he get? He was at the transfiguration. That's pretty cool. God buried him. He got to see it. You know what? I don't think it bothered Moses at all that he didn't get to go into the promised land because it was never about moses and if it ever becomes about us we can't lead if it ever becomes about us we can't lead because guess what we just blew the law of character and people aren't going to want to follow us so who's called to lead all of us all of us are called to lead each one of you everyone that names the name of christ is called to lead you know, we can just talk about Christ's great commission. Go ye out into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be friends. We're called to be neighbors. We're called to be parents. Do we love our neighbors? Do we love our children? Do we love our coworkers? Do we love our parents? People do what people see. If I'm not a person of character... If people can't see that in me, I can't lead. I end up like Nabal instead of Abigail. I end up like Sarah instead of Joshua. Anyone who claims to be a Christian is a leader. We're living in a time where there's a leadership vacuum. I was serious when I said, because of the questions Brother Gibb has just asked you. That's reality. This is where we are. The question is, are we willing to go? Are we willing to... you know? So many people come to a forum and they get inspired, and then they go home. So many people sit in an inspiration time, and they get inspired, or they get convicted, and they go home, because there's no plan. There's no plan to implement anything. So let's stay intentional. What have you learned today, and with whom will you share it within the next 24 hours? I want you to think for a minute. What did you learn? What, was, there, was there one thing that struck you today? And I want you to identify who you will share that with within the next 24 hours. I'm going to give you a minute. The reason why I've asked you to do that is number one, if you share it with someone within 24 hours, you're more likely to remember it. And you've taken a step in leadership because you're sharing something that the Lord has impressed on your heart with someone else. Don't wait till you've learned it all to begin to share it. Every day as the Lord lays something on your heart, share it with people. Do whatever you can to make someone's life better. Every day you should be practicing five things. God time. Have I set aside time in my heart, in my life, in my day for God? Every day you should practice grace time. Extending grace to other people. Imagine what our day would be like if there was no grace extended toward us. Gift time. Gift time. God has given you gifts. Every day are you practicing your gifts? Are you exercising those gifts? Imagine how God feels if he gives you this amazing gift and you don't use it. Giving time. Every day are you giving. Giving of yourself. Doing something without expecting a return. Pouring value in other people. And the fifth one, gratitude time. Five G's. Gratitude time's the fifth. Every day, identify things that you are thankful for. And if you do, you will have amazing, amazing abundant life. You see, if we're going to grow, we've got to be intentional about it. We've got to have a plan. Two minutes. Any questions? Thank you very much. Ask the Lord to bless each one of you.